Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to another edition of Life Behind Bars. Um, Noah Rothbaum, the Daily Beast Half Full Editor. Joining me as always is my colleague and co-host, David Longridge. How are you, Dave? I'm okay. How are you? Good, good. Uh, all things considered. <laughs> um, exactly. <laughs> this is, uh, all we can ask for these days. <laughs> these questions are uh, a little more weighted than they used to be. It's true. You're like, do you really, how much time do you have? Do you really want me to answer? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I feel, uh, uh, you know, so far so good. Obviously, sheltering in place. Your uh, story uh, a couple of weeks ago about uh, plague cocktails was, was really fascinating um, and, and obviously very timely since I think a lot of folks have been uh, thinking about drinks and medicinal drinks and how people have, have done things in the past. Obviously, this isn't the first plague that, that mankind has, has encountered, and, and clearly people have uh, mixed up various... They've resorted to... Yeah. Uh, I was looking for the right word. Various <laughs> drinks. Yeah. I think back to uh, the, the, the 1600s was uh, uh, the biggest outbreak of plague uh, since distillation was popular in the Western world. And uh, they definitely, the, the uh, College of Physicians in London immediately put out a, re- a recipe or, you know, a formula for a distilled plague water that was supposed to fix you up and uh, prevent the plague and cure it and, 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 and anything possible, you know, and it had dozens of botanicals in it, uh, roots and flowers and so on and so forth. But uh, it was also sweet and, uh, you know, it was sweet and botanical. It was uh, the kind of thing that you would take a dram of and go, hey, you know, that's probably not so bad. Uh, nothing, none of the uh, things in it were too weird tasting. So uh, it was probably palatable. And uh, at least it gave you the illusion of doing something. I love that the, the doctors are, are putting out their own recipe, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Back in uh, in the 1600s, what did doctors have that actually did anything? You know, right. there right. wasn't that much. They didn't have aspirin. Uh, they had opium and they had alcohol. <laughs> I guess they had cannabis, but, uh, you know, right. that's about it. Right. I mean, it's it's really interesting that like, you know, I mean, we joke around and, and certainly during prohibition, people kind of use the term medicinal loosely. I mean, for hundreds of years, you know, alcohol was was often prescribed for a range of maladies. And, and you know, I remember us talking about the mink julep on an earlier episode, and or maybe it's in, I know you wrote a story about the julep and mm-hmm. how, like, back in, you know, its roots go back to the UK and, 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 and you know, there was a medicinal cocktail, right? It wasn't really recreational but leave it to american we stole the name you know <laughs> from this medicinal drink and uh said and it was there was always this duality with uh with with uh drinking as medicine is like it's a it's a good excuse to take a drink 
and for some people, that's you know that's always been the case. I mean, uh, people used to drink the cocktail as a, itself with 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 bitters as a morning uh, drink to tone your stomach and give you a preventative against uh, anything the day might throw at you. You know, it was supposed to be good for your system. <laughs> and uh, that was mostly a bunch of horse shit, but, you know, it made you feel good. And uh, and uh, you didn't have to operate heavy machinery, I guess. So uh, <laughs> it was probably a little less harmless than it was now. And arguably sometimes healthier than some of the water that people were drinking. I mean, that's always the... That's true, too. I mean, uh, some of the other options were, were maybe less alcoholic, but certainly, um, you know, had all types of things in them uh, that, that weren't healthy either for you. <laughs> That's exactly true. So in the 1840s, uh, New York had a couple of cholera epidemics. I talk about this in in that article. And uh, one of the things that was being prescribed was just straight brandy. And, you know, as long as you were drinking that, at least you weren't drinking the water, which is what was giving you the cholera. (laughs) So I suppose that was okay. Although, you know, I don't think you could live on brandy alone. Right. Uh, you might need some champagne. Uh, every so often, you know, a stat, you know, resurfaces on social media about how much people drank in colonial times. And what we forget is that, you know, most people drank beer or cider and, and they didn't realize that it was healthier than a lot of the water because obviously the first step in making, you know, beer or cider or spirits is boiling the water, you know, and we didn't realize that boiling the water would kill all of this bacteria and germs and stuff. So that, it, you know, there's a reason why, you know, they were drinking beer instead of water. Out in the country, the water was usually fine. But you really run into problems in places like New York City when you're getting well water from the collect pond, which is surrounded by houses right. and, uh, and, you know, open sewers running into it. Or in London, where you're getting it from the Thames River, which is an open sewer. Not ideal. If you're out in like, uh, you know, northern New Hampshire, Pure probably driven you find snow, spring, you know. Uh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's not a problem. No, probably I mean, there not. might be some bear pee in it, but uh, right. other than that, it's fine. You know, I've seen a lot of people, you know, ask on, on Twitter or the last big epidemic, the, the Spanish influenza epidemic of 1918, if, you know, if drinks were involved. I mean, there's a lot going on, like in 1918. It's funny is there that got incredibly politicized, the whole idea of drinking. There were the people who, because this was the height of the prohibition movement, they were getting the the, uh, the 18th Amendment, right? Right. The last thing they wanted was people drinking medicinally because that made drink look good. At the same time, you know, there was no cure or anything for the influenza. And some old-fashioned doctors were like, well, you know, I'm going to prescribe whiskey. Have some whiskey. It'll make you feel better. And uh, the prohibitionists were outraged. Yeah. There's no evidence this does anything, blah, blah, blah. The only thing it does is, 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 is kill you quicker, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But on the other side, people were saying, you know, I went to this, the pharmacy and had to get some medicinal whiskey, and there wasn't any. What's going on here? This is outrageous. You know, well, my freedom is being impinged here. And it went back and forth and back and forth. And there was a, a whole lot of, uh, of yelling on both sides, a, a sort of, of a depressing episode uh, in, in its way. Yeah. And we already see, I mean, you know, back around the turn of the century, a lot of those sort of fake medicines that were more booze than medicine or 
more cocktailed and remedy, you know, kind of disappear with pure drug and food act and, you know, all this other stuff that gets passed and, you know, that the government starts to crack down on what can be called, you know, a cure or cure all, you know, so some of that's already kind of disappears. I mean, obviously partially from public health, but also because of, you know, the, the dries, uh, the prohibitionists definitely knew that, that was one way that people were, you know, were getting alcohol. It was a very interesting period from, I mean, from the end of the Civil War, really up until Prohibition, like everything is, you know, Lincoln's election was contentious because of that, because, you know, he ran yeah. a grocery store and we all know that like back in the day where you bought liquor was a grocery store. So, you know, the Prohibitionists said Lincoln's, you know, you know, we shouldn't vote for him because he ran a liquor store. And Lincoln said, no, I didn't run a liquor store. I ran a grocery store. Yeah. You know, I was like, you know, and, the, and this debate went on and on and on. And, you know, somehow he was able to sidestep the issue of whether or not he was for or against prohibition, despite the fact that his father had worked at a distillery and he essentially ran a liquor store. But I mean, even going back to that, that election, I mean, it, it, it just sort of picks up steam and momentum through the end of the, you know, the 1800s and the beginning of the 1900s. So by the time 1918 comes around, I mean, it's a very contentious issue. I you mean, know, the, the upshot of it is what really makes me sad is uh, that it was indeed hard to get a drink, especially during the second and third waves, as more and more states were dry. You know, the influenza lasted for a couple of years. It came, kept coming back yeah. because uh, places opened up and, uh, you know, suddenly here, there it was again. The problem for me is, is and I talked about this in, in, in my article, is we're really talking about two different diseases here. There's the, there's the epidemic disease that kills you. And then there's the fear and, and anxiety and uh, ennui and, you know, all the negative yeah. emotions that are driving you nuts while you're waiting to see if you survive this thing. Yeah. And for that, alcohol actually helps a little in moderation. You know, yeah. if you take the occasional drink and it helps you uh, unhook the gears in your mind and, and, and slow down and, uh, and relax and uh, be a little less uh, fearful and uh, anxious and worried and depressed about it, you know, then it's actually performing a useful function. And, uh, when prohibition came around, it, it took that away from a lot of people. Yeah. And that seems cruel, you know, to me is like, this actually made people feel a little bit better about what they were facing and you're taking it away. And uh, that just seems wrong. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sometimes even for me, I, I really enjoy making drinks. Not, you know, sometimes even, not even for myself, but for other people, just it's that, it's that project, right? It's, it's, it's keeping yeah. the, you know, your mind, your hands busy, you know, you're accomplishing something, you know, there's the familiar rhythm and, you know, familiar set of motions and ingredients that you're putting together. And there's something, you know, about that, that's also, you know, very therapeutic. I mean, it's, you know, people talk about art therapy or music therapy, and I don't know if there's something. 
don't know if there's if it qualifies for that quite, but like you know, bartending therapy. You know, what I mean, like w- whether or not the drink has any alcohol in it. I mean, it's there's yeah, something it, about it. it it's a craft, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a craft, and it gives you a little bit of control, and it gives you a, a comfortable ritual. As the day drags on, for me, you know, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to make a cocktail at, you know, 5 yeah. o'clock, and uh, that's going to be, like, really, really pleasant. Yeah. You know, and then and what am I going to make? And, uh, and you know, you've got all these pleasant thoughts there, and it's, and it's a way of uh, sort of putting a bookend on your day. And it and it's a way in a way it kind of keeps me from drinking because it's like right. I'm going to save it and make it really good rather than just uh, you know keep slugging on a, on 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 a bottle of bourbon that I got in my drawer here and it's a way of containing all this stuff and building a hedge against all the all the darkness. And also, you're right. I mean, it, when you're at home and there's nowhere to go, I mean, what's the difference between night and day and weekday and weekend and you know, up and down. So, I mean, giving some kind of order to the day that like, you know, at five o'clock, like that's, that's going to be, or whenever it is that you're going to have your, your happy hour, whether or not the drink is alcohol, whether or not it's tea, Mm -hmm. whatever you want. I mean, but like, you know, like kind of demarking the end of the day and saying like, okay, that's my reward. And that's what I'm going to look forward to. And that's, you know, that gives some semblance of normalcy. (laughs) To this yeah. craziness. Yeah, exactly. Um, it gives structure. And, and, and that's, you know, uh, that's, that's a wonderful important. thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's something that, you know, I crave. I think a lot of us crave uh, as, as you know, as we lose control over what's happening around us, that this is at least something that we have some control over. <laughs> yeah, we I can, mean. We can look forward to. Every day brings terrible news and it's, it's, good to have something to to sort of uh put a wall between you and that news you know yeah yeah and, and uh, something to look forward to something that you know is going to be pleasant and uh that that you know is going to be engaging uh you'll it'll engage your thoughts it'll give you uh, i mean you know planning out the drink and assembling the ingredients oh, for and sure. uh, you know all that stuff is 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 good it's same with cooking until yeah. you, but you know, cooking, you got to do it several times a day and you get, you can get pretty sick of it. I mean, I, I have to say that like really up until recently, I embarrassingly, I didn't know very much about the influenza plague of 1918, the Spanish influenza. So many people died, so many wide ranging effects, but you know, I, I, it's often overshadowed by everything else going on. I mean, you've yeah. world war one, you have the beginning of prohibition, you have the beginning of the depression, you know, that's, you know, looming, you know, all these major cataclysmic events that just come in a row and somehow it's been overlooked and thinking about it as we have in the last couple of weeks, quite a bit, you know, I think it's way more important than we've given it credence, you know, in terms of drinking culture and, just society at large and kind of explains also more about the roaring twenties, you know, why people were, you know, it wasn't just world war one. It was both world war one and the influenza, you know, that people had survived and were grateful to be alive and to be go outside again and, and party. And, 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 you know, that I think must've made up so much of, you know, that movement, you know, and we don't really ever, really ever think about it. Yeah. Right? Certainly the early part, it's like, Let's just go for it, you know? Yeah. I mean, we could die at any minute. Let's at least have some fun here. Yeah. Let's grab for it right now. I didn't really appreciate it either. And uh, obviously spent a lot of time studying uh, 
these things. And uh, it's uh, it's interesting, uh, you know, now to, uh, unfortunately, now we understand the mindset a little better. Yeah. And I wish I didn't. It but, seems uh, all too real. Yeah, it does. Uh, it's, it's, you can put yourself back there uh, so quickly, um, too quickly. But, uh, uh, you know, the other day I was uh, going for a morning walk and, uh, and, and it took me past Brooklyn Hospital and the uh, big uh, freezer trailers outside that they're using as a temporary morgue. So, you know, that's pretty sobering, you know, just to come across that. Yeah. And something that I don't think any of us would have believed could have happened. Um, but, but here we are. You told me in January that, you know, that would be my, my, my March and my April and May. <laughs> what? Yep. No, I don't, I don't think I would have, I don't think I would have believed you. I would have thought no. that you were crazy. <laughs> yeah. Same. Oh man. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely opened up a window I, I never knew existed into, you know, former pandemics and, you know, their effects upon yeah. society and culture. I mean, I can understand, you know, you know, I think of the uh, rock and rye craze. Yeah. In the uh, 1870s, uh, 1880s, when tuberculosis was new and incurable, Absolutely. and you know it's not nearly as infectious as as, uh, as the coronavirus, but it you know was a sure killer, and and it was you know kind of stalking silently, and uh, this one guy said that he had cured himself of it by drinking uh, several times a day a shot of this thing that he made by putting five pounds of rock candy in a gallon of rye whiskey right. and shaking it around over a week until it dissolved. And those were the two ingredients. And he said it worked. And uh, the New York Sun wrote this up, you know, just kind of as a curiosity. And within three weeks, you saw advertisements for rock and rye. I mean, it it was a phenomenon. The article oh, was reprinted everywhere. and. Because people, you know, they had nothing else. I mean, nothing else worked. Yeah. And uh, I can understand a lot uh, better, you know, the people who are trying all the crack quack remedies now, et cetera, et cetera, because, you know, they're afraid. And, and people uh, will try anything if they're afraid. Uh, fortunately, rock and rye was much more harmless than uh, <laughs> most of the things, you know, in, in yeah. injecting uh, disinfectants or whatever that have been suggested by crazy people you wrote a story about the origins of rock and rye i guess last year i mean it was a fascinating story but it seemed kind of quaint you know what i mean that this idea that people believe that yeah. it would be <laughs> and now it's it it's it's in fact terrifying i mean going back and reading that story it gives me chills because it's, it makes you know, perfect sense perfect sense i understand their mindset i understand why people believe this i mean and yeah. it, it's kind of crazy to think that rock and rye started as this and then at a certain point, it, it became, you know, just a drink. I, I don't think when we revived it, you know, in the last 10 or 15 years that people fully understood the mindset that those who, you know, who had created yeah. Rock and Rye, you know. Yeah, I think people knew that it had been a, a remedy, but for a long time, it had been a bartender's remedy for a cold. Right. You know, it kind of got demoted from the remedy for tuberculosis, which right. is a lot scarier yeah. and a lot rarer now. And so also it, over the years, it, it gathered things like mint and uh, and citrus fruit and, you know, various Cherries, other ingredients. Think, yeah. 
to make it yeah to make it seem more wholesome i guess uh but uh you know originally it was pretty stark although quite tasty i mean i made up yeah. a, a batch of it and uh if you like the flavor of rye whiskey, you know, it's not bad. It's very sweet. But, and in many ways, it's very close to an old fashioned. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. sort of the original cocktail. I mean, because it's, you know, it's just missing the bitters. I mean, that's essentially yeah. what you're, you're, you're missing. You're, you know, you've got the whiskey, you've got the sugar, you've got the water. I, I guess, you know, there, well, there's no water in it. No water, no, no water. So you strong. need a little, so you need to, you need to dilute yeah. it with a little water and you need some bitters. And basically, you have an old yeah. fashioned. And it doesn't seem like people made the jump to that either. Like, oh, like this guy cured himself with rock and rye. Like, I'll just drink three old fashions a day. You know what I mean? Yeah, it there was some magical quantity inherent in 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 just the rock and rye, it seems. But, uh, you know, then, then the Pure Food and Drug Act meant that they had to keep, stop making claims like that. <laughs> but, you, I mean, you think around the same time, right, people are suffering from malaria and they're given tonic water, right? I mean, it's roughly maybe earlier than that, but like also seems as crazy, right? That this tree bar. Yeah, but that actually worked. No, no, but that's what I mean. But like, you know, so yeah. you're like, oh, okay. Like, look, like tonic water like works and it's a great, you know, it's a great panacea, you know, for people to take. And it's a great cure-all. Like it actually works. Like, oh, who knows? Maybe this rock and rye stuff does work. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, exactly. I don't, we now look back you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's easy for us to say like, oh, what dummies, like, of course, tonic water is like, you know, would help with, you know, malaria, but like, what a dummy to take a rock and rye for tuberculosis. <laughs> it's like, I, you know what, now that we've lived this through this, I have a way more appreciation for why people would try rock. Yeah, rye. same. Also, you know, tuberculosis didn't kill everybody who had it, you know, right. so, uh, and if you're drinking rock and rye and uh you're you 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 feel like you've got tuberculosis uh and you you have you know three small shots of it a day that's not very much and each time you do it feels like you're doing something against the disease and the alcohol kicks in with your anxiety you know okay uh yeah if you survive you're you at least you know at least you felt better yeah. Uh, and even if you don't survive, at least you're at least, you know, you feel a little better as you're going down there. At least you're trying something and, you know, and uh, and your anxiety and fear and and, 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 and all that is, is at least uh, getting numbed a little bit. So, you know, it's it's not uh, that uh, now, as you say, I've got a lot more sympathy for that kind of thing. <laughs> a whole new appreciation of rock and roll. <laughs> I know. I'm starting to think, you know. I should uh, promote this. I was, was going to say we should mix one up in solidarity. That's right. That's right. I hope a cure is as easy as making rock and rye and as tasty. But uh, uh, I imagine it'll come Whatever from somewhere it is, else. <laughs> I hope it comes fast. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll drink to that. Cheers. Cheers. Dave and I encourage you to drink responsibly always. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com 
or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.